Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, April 4th, 2017. Today we are reading from the big book, chapter two, and we are at page 22, paragraph two. Today's readers are, for the 12 steps, Madeline P., for the 12 traditions, Roz R., and reading the text is Lisa H., Martha Z., and Leslie M. The reference numbers for Monday, April 3rd, are for 7 a.m., 9789, and 10 a.m., 9792. That's 9789 and 9792. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Madeline P. to read the 12 steps. Hello, my name is Madeline P., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. 
Thank you, Madeline. I will now ask Roz R. to read the 12 traditions. Uh, can I be heard? Yes. Thank you. Hi, this is Roz R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Florida. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, thus problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks for letting me share. I passed. Thank you, Roz. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 22, paragraph 2, through three paragraphs, and we will be commenting on all three paragraphs. I will ask Lisa H. to begin reading. Good morning. This is Lisa H., uh, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Tennessee. Why does he behave like this? If hundreds of experiences have shown him that one drink means another debacle with all its intended suffering and humiliation, why is it he takes that one drink? Why can't he stay on the water wagon? What has become of the common sense and willpower that he still sometimes displays with respect to other matters? Perhaps there will never be a full answer to these questions. Opinions vary considerably as to why the alcoholic reacts differently from normal people. 
We're not sure why. Once a certain point is reached, little can be done for him. We cannot answer the riddle. We know that while the alcoholic keeps away from drink, as he may do for months or years, he reacts much like other men. We are equally positive that once he takes any alcohol whatever into his system, something happens, both in the bodily and mental sense, which makes it virtually impossible for him to stop. The experience of any alcoholic will abundantly confirm this. Um, reflecting on the, these paragraphs for myself, um, there's a lot of questions here. And I remember um, growing up getting all these questions from my family. You know, um, why can't you just leave it alone? Um, you know, why can't you just push away from the table? That was a big one. You just push away from the table. You know, um, why do you have to have dessert? Why can't you just not have the sugar? You know, why can't you um, stick to this diet? And, you know, it was diet after diet after diet. Um, these questions. And, and again, I had the willpower and common sense in a lot of other areas of my life. You know, I graduated from nursing school. I got a really good job. Um, and I, again, I could, I could leave the sugar and flour alone for a little while and I could get to go wait. Um, but I was still absolutely miserable. You know, this, this last, uh, this la- the part of the last paragraph um, that I didn't really understand until um, I started reading the doctor's opinion, um, that, that once I took sugar into my system, something happened. Something um, bodily and mentally happened. Um, I had an abnormal reaction. I found out that I had this double whammy. I had an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. And like we hear often on the line, the, the allergy of the body is a bad problem, but the obsession of the mind for me was way worse. Um, that's, that's what I have to work on on a daily basis. Um, now that I've been abstinent for a pretty good long time, I don't want to take that for granted, but I have to continue um, to work these steps. Um, so grateful today that I uh, worked with someone um, in whom the problem had been solved and guided me um, through diligently through, through these 12 steps. Um, and, and, um, grateful every day, um, to be listening to everyone else share their experience because I know I'm not alone. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you so much, Lisa. Okay. Who would like to share on these three paragraphs from page Jackie, 22? Jackie B. Nessa R. Nessa R. This is Larry. Okay. Okay. One second. Um, I have part of six names okay i have jackie b nessa r tina s um sorry i i'm sorry i had an r and now i can't read my own writing melissa c larry k yeah i thought it was rifka and then that just didn't seem right rifka thank you your initial rifka what's your initial please okay and, okay, so we have, I have seven. Was there someone else I missed? Boss, I got you. Oh, thank you. Okay, well then let's go with those um, seven. We have Jackie B, Nessa R, Tina S, Rifka A, Melissa C, Larry K, and Vasa O. Jackie, please go ahead. 
Okay. Hi, I'm Jackie B. from the Bronx. Can I be heard? Yes. Thank you. Uh, thank you, everyone, uh, today for your service and your presence. Um, what I really liked was we are equally positive that once he takes that alcohol, alcohol, whatever, into his system, something happens, both in the bodily and mental sense, which makes it virtually impossible for him to stop. The experience of any alcoholic will abundantly confirm this, and that's definitely me today. Um, I've been in this program over 23, 24 years, and I've done abstinence every way you could think, every which way in program. I've done the steps every which way, but today I get it. Uh, it's not that I have anything against what I had in a way prior. It just means I use all the resources, but this is my foundation. I use all of OA's resources for enhancement, but I do the steps via the big book. Because once I started to understand the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind and working this, all of a sudden this book opened up my eyes. I today work it every single day so that I don't have to obsess about my food, even my abstinence food. I don't obsess about it. I used to obsess about everything, any little thing. Go wait till the next meal. Today I don't do that today. Um, I don't obsess about when my husband last night had the biggest tantrum you could imagine, throwing things like you wouldn't believe, and I say quiet. And all I kept saying was, this is insanity, and I cannot deal with insanity because he's in his own food addiction and I can't, you know, I can't entertain it nor solve it. And when I realized that and I stayed quiet, I knew, I knew my higher power was there. I knew that I had changed, that today I don't, you know, negotiate my vegetables. I don't negotiate my recovery today. I don't negotiate working with a sponsee. I don't negotiate not getting here and listening to this meeting and participating. No more than negotiating. It's understanding that I'm a compulsive overeater, and if I want to have sanity on a daily basis, I work this program on a daily basis. No bag box or person, place, or thing or action is going to make me feel better than I am when I work for higher powers will, which is to be of service to others, to give back, and to understand that this book has the answers. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, and have a lovely day, everyone. Thank you so much, Jackie. Okay, Nessa R., you're up, followed by Tina F. Thank you. Good morning, Vision, for you. This is Nessa R., recovered in Toronto, Canada. To me, these paragraphs speak about the mental obsession. And the uh, question that they're asking me is, why can I not stay stopped? You know, I have managed to stop. The allergy of the body is um, it's quiet at the moment because I don't have triggers in me. Why can I not stay stopped? I want to stay stopped. I want to stay on my diet. I want to be thin. Why I cannot stay stopped? And the answer to that, to me, is the doctor's opinion where it says, we cannot differentiate the true from the false. And I give myself a million reasons, and they are all very convincing why this time is going to be different. 
why this time I'm going to be able to manage better, why I'm going to be able to stop, notwithstanding the fact that that has never been the case um, in the past four and a half decades of my life. But hey, you know, like the million times before don't matter because this one single time is going to change uh, my life forever. It's going to change history forever. And of course, um, that doesn't happen. But I am totally convinced, you know, I, I cannot eat on the truth. If I tell myself, you know, you know, Nessa, um, you're going to have these two cookies and these two cookies are going to lead to a whole box and then another box and then a tub of this and a and, uh, and another uh, bag of that, um, and then, you know, seven, 70, pound later, 70 pounds later, you're going to be miserable, you're going to be fighting with your husband, you're not going to be able to play hockey, you're not going to be able to hang out with your kids. I'm not going to touch those cookies. But if I tell myself, you know what, it's only two cookies, it's not going to hurt you, you're not going to gain any weight, and, you know, anyway, you're just going to have the two cookies, you're going to be able to stop, and it's all going to be fine, and you're going to feel better. Hey, that I can eat on, you know, but recovery, recovery through the 12 steps, you know, after putting down the food, working the, the 12 steps in abstinence changes that completely. And it enables me to see, to see the truth because the fog has been totally lifted. And I lived it for the first time. It was such a startling moment for me. Like I couldn't even believe it. Uh, a couple of years ago, my daughter came into the car eating uh, from school that the teacher had brought these beautiful pastries and she was like savoring and enjoying it and it smelled amazing. And I thought, wow, it would be nice to have one of those. But then the truth kicked in and it said, Nessa, it would be nice to have one of those, but you cannot have just one of those. You have never, ever, ever in your entire life been able to have just one. One would lead to two and two would lead to six and six would lead to a dozen, and then you're off to the races with God knows what else. And again, 70 pounds later, this is where it's going to stop. And the thought ended. The thought ended right there. You know, there was no, I mean, there was a little bit of temptation, but as it says in page 84, when tempted, we recall from it as if from a hot flame. Why? Because I can differentiate the truth from the false. And the way to get to that place where I can differentiate the truth from the false um, is extremely simple, not easy, but very simple. Entire abstinence followed by the thorough working to the best of my ability of the 12 steps that are outlined in this um, little chip of a book. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa. Tina S., you're up, followed by Rivka A. Thanks, Katie, uh, for your service. Tina S., recovered compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. Thanks so much, everyone, for the shares. Heard some really great stuff, and, um, you know, I claim my seat for sure. And, and I love that it, it keeps reminding me of the manifestation of my disease, which is that I'm bodily and mentally different from others. You know, I have the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind that I cannot eat like normal people. And once that, you know, is slammed home for me, you know, I know that, you know, and it was already shared that, you know, I don't put the stuff in my system, but I still have that queer mental twist unless I am doing something to take care of that, which is the 12 steps, you know, which takes care of, of the mind, uh, the psychic change that comes about, you know, and I love that, it, you know, it reiterates for me the insanity of my mind. You know, this time it's going to be different. It won't hurt me this time. I'll change it to this way. You know, and it tells me that I don't have any common sense. And that's 
just so the truth for me in my disease, you know. And, and I know that my disease centers in my mind. And through the transformation, you know, with the God direction, you know, I have God direct my thinking as opposed to Tina because Tina didn't do it. Well, you know, I guess I got me in a couple 12-step programs with my thinking. But if I start to trust and rely on a power greater than myself, you know, the world opens up. You know, it's amazing to me that I have an opportunity to live this life. You know, I wanted to die by the time I was 30. You know, I'm 59. And uh, and I get to live this wonderful life today. And it's only because I do a few simple things daily, one day at a time. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina. Rifka A, you're up, followed by Melissa C. Thank you so much. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. My name is Rivka A., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater here in Israel. Um, you know, that first, first question, why does he behave like this? Well, I know I can only speak for myself, being the experienced uh, professional, I might add, dieteer. Um, for so many years. Um, why did I behave like that? Because I wanted to, you know? I mean, I wasn't having the problem. You you groupies were having the problem. You folks out there, you had your thing. I had my way of doing things. No, I didn't go to uh, any diet workshops. I had my own private uh, analogy, diagnosis, uh, my own personal way of handling my life. I don't need for anybody, any group, to, to tell me what I needed to do. And I wasn't ready because you know what? I couldn't deal with life on life's terms, but I knew that I could look for that comfort, that ease, that sensation of, uh, you know, relaxation, I thought. You know, for the moment, I could run to something to make me feel better. Whatever that food was, I could run to it. And I knew that I could get what I needed instantly. Even if I had to jump in the car, go to any length to get it, I was going to look for comfort and ease because I knew it was going to be an immediate action because I couldn't deal with the uncomfortable feelings that the world was shoving at me. You know, it was everybody and everything in this world that made me miserable and upset and I didn't have any part in it. It was always somebody else I could blame, something I could blame. So I ran to uh, the comfort and ease of the food. Well, now I'm grateful that I'm in program. <laughs> and I had to learn through a, a, few, a few hard knocks, you know, in order to get where I am today. And I didn't get here by myself. It was the God of my own understanding that brought me into the room, that made it and allowed me to to fall down, you know, several staircases, you know, hit a bottom, finally, to get the message and the understanding that, hey, I needed to ask for some help. I needed to get into the group. I didn't want to, and I hated the fact that I had to join Overeaters Anonymous. I didn't want to admit that, that I was powerless and that my life was unmanageable because I was, I was figuring I was managing everybody else's life, and I didn't have a problem. But I admit now that I am powerless, first step and that my life had become unmanageable. And now, having worked these steps, continually doing it 10, 11, 12, living life on life's terms, and getting the connection with the God of my own understanding, at night, I, I retire at night and review my day, reflect on it, say a thank you prayer. In the morning, do the same thing. Wake up, thank you, God. 
read my literature, listen, listen to recordings, um, you know, and pray, have a contact with God. It's practice, not perfection. You know, I hated doing piano lessons because it called for practice. But, you know, practice I must because I'm undisciplined, as the big book says. And so what I do is I turn my will and my life over to care of God, you know, and admit my wrongs. And, you know, I'm not perfect. It's progress, not perfection. And in doing so and enlarging my spiritual um, attitudes, you know, and and connection with God, thank you, I hear you, Um, you know, the weight takes care of itself. I don't have to look at the numbers, worry about the numbers, my weight, my size, uh, the scales of, uh, you know, the foods. I don't have to worry about it. I'm so grateful for this program. And with that, I pass. My name is Rivka A. from Israel. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Thank you, Rivka. Melissa C., you're up, followed by Larry K. Hi. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, this part's really important because we're getting just a clear diagnosis. You know, why? Why is it that I can't learn from my mistakes? Why is it that I can't learn from consequences, that I don't um, connect the dots when it comes to, you know, food and eating? Uh, Because I'm a real compulsive overeater. And, you know, I used to waste a lot of time in the whys until it was pointed out to me that there was something very childlike and immature about that, Uh, you know, almost like when my kids, would ask me why, you know, why can't I do this? When the reality is they don't really want to know why. What they're saying is I don't like this and I want you to change. I want you to change your your uh, opinion, your stand on something, Mom. And, um, and so I have to really not spend too much time for me on the why other than the simple answer. You know, I am a real compulsive overeater. I cannot learn from my mistakes, I cannot learn from the consequences, and it it defies logic because um, I can do it in all other areas of my life, you know, or many other areas of my life, I should say. I could see, you know, that there's a, a, a cause and effect. I can see, like, consequences of my actions, and yet with food um, and eating, there's some, there's that mental blind spot, and you know, for me, I kind of think about um, my disease, you know, my food addiction. It's kind of like this stalker, you know, and um, and sometimes it's really um, forceful and loud, and it's like, I don't care, just pick up, just pick up. And other times it's really kind of um, handsome and deceiving, and it comes in through the side door like, oh, this isn't so bad, this is healthy, you know, not a big deal. Um, but but the truth is, um, I'm a real compulsive overeater, and the problem exists in my mind, you know. And if and if I don't seek a spiritual solution, um, asking why, um, it's really not why. It's when. When am I going to pick up? Not why will I pick up? But it's just a matter of time. And you know, the same foods that have plagued me, you know, the last. My first time that I um, was absent for a long period of time, and then on my honeymoon, I picked up a drink. Um, It was 13 years before I could come back. And then, crazy enough, you know, five years ago, I did the same thing with the same food. So what it tells me is I need a spiritual solution. That is the only answer. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. 
Thank you, Melissa. Okay, Larry Kay, you're up, followed by Basa O, and then we'll open it up for more shares, more people. Good, good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me okay, Katie? I can. Okay, good. Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader. Why does the compulsive reader take that first bite? Well, you know, we we read in the text again and again that our human resources as marshaled by the will are are not sufficient. Something something different about us in that way. And by way of an analogy, let's take a car, you know, an automobile. In order to get from point A to point B, our car needs sufficient fuel, right? And, and, and that's what pro provides the power for our car to run. Now, it doesn't matter if you drive a, a 2017 Mercedes or a 1990, uh, you know, station wagon. If your car doesn't have the needed power to run, it's not going anywhere. Now, you know, it, it'd be absurd to argue with the universe that, you know, you paid sixty, seventy thousand $70,000 for your Mercedes and that it does just about everything but drive itself, and it practically does that. I mean, it's equipped with the most amazing safety and comfort features, yet it still won't run without the needed power. Well, in a similar fashion, lack of power, that was my dilemma. And you know what was, what was the root of my dilemma? Selfishness, self-centeredness. That was the root. Now, if that's the core reason why I cannot stay stopped from taking the first bite, it would stand to reason that I need to do whatever possible to access the needed power to stay stopped. And yet, in a way, often that's not what we're doing here. In a way, we oftentimes we come here learning that the gas station is right here in these actions, in these steps, and yet we try to fill our gas tank with sand. Or worse, we watch other people filling up their tank with gas, convincing ourselves that if we just hang around the gas station, twiddling my thumbs, saying hi to other customers, perhaps waiting for the gas to fly into my tank magically, guess what? It never will. That's not how it works. It's going to take action on my part for the gas to get in my tank. And, you know, I can go to meetings. I can go to meetings to learn about how to fill up my gas tank. I can come every morning, go to a Vision for You uh, meeting of gas, uh, you know, gas stations and fuel. I can learn all about how it works. And I could never take the actions necessary. Now, that may sound absurd, but that is precisely what many, many people do to their detriment. And their car will stay stuck. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Vasa O, you're up. Thank you. Thank you, Katie, for your service. And good morning, everyone. Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive Vita calling from Florida. I... I can relate to this paragraph here. Before coming to the program, I had no clue what was wrong with me. I knew there was something wrong, but I didn't know what it was wrong with me. I remember asking myself many, many, many times why I could not stop eating the way I was doing, like I was doing. I mean, I was, I was a professional, a professional dieter for 25 years of my life. I tried everything that I heard, what people did. It was always was always looking for the solution out there. It's not like I didn't try. Um, but anyways, for me, the answer was when I came to the, the to this big book. 
I did not know I had the allergy of the body and the obsession with the mind. I mean, to me, I I just was so relieved. I said, oh, wow. I said, I never, never knew that. And my sponsor said, you know, again, she's 12-stepped me for a little bit. And she said, sugar, it's uh, uh, carbs are like drugs, you know. The more I put them in my body, the more I want it. And I knew that. I said, I, I, I understand that. That's true for me. You know, when I would go off my diet, I would just have only one. I'll say, oh, I can only have one. I can handle one. I've, I've done so good for the last week or whatever. But it never stopped from from one. I would always go back to second, third, and fourth, and all the way, whatever, binge. And, uh, again, for me, I needed to find the solution, the way it's laid out in the big book. Thank you, God. I mean, it was such, you know, this was such a gift. Here, Vasa, take this book and just follow the directions. I mean, I've been looking for directions my whole life, how to put the food down. And, and to have this book and just to follow, I'm going to say, it's so easy. Just follow it. And, of course, it was not easy putting the food down, you know, those things that I thought I could never live for the rest of my life. You know, going through the withdrawals, you know, I wanted for comfort to use the food, but I didn't. It's by the grace of God. And and I remember my sponsor said, we need to find a power greater than ourselves to be able to put this food down and uh, and just to follow the program, follow the steps the way they laid out. And that's where my power started. It was like a mustard seed. It turned down, turned to a tree. And I hear mustard seeds grow in California, and they are huge. Well, you know, faith for me started with the mustard seed. And I've been growing in this program and maturing from that little girl to an adult right now. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. Okay, who else would like to share? Reva P. Michael A. Michael in Miami. Barbara E. Barbara Chrissy E. G. Chrissy G. Shannon S. Chrissy G. Shannon S. Okay, I have Reva P. Michael Fay in Florida. Barbara E. Chrissy G. And Shannon S. Did I miss anyone? Okay, let's go, Reva P, followed by Michael. Good morning, it's Reva P, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. Um, This part of the big book for me is explaining the twofold nature of the illness to me. So it's telling me what it means um, to be a real compulsive overeater. Um, So not only do I have this physical allergy that once I take, and I love how it says once, because it doesn't say if I'm going to take the substance back into my system. It says once, which means I am going to pick up. I am wired to pick up because I'm a real compulsive overeater. Um, And I love the fact that from this point on, the big book is starting to describe what it means to have that mental twist and the obsession of the mind. Because if I only had a physical allergy to certain food substances, I would put them down and be fine forever. I'd never have to work the steps. But it's starting to describe the mental twist 
which for me means what happens when life doesn't go my way. So yesterday I had a day where nothing was working out the way I wanted. People were not doing what I wanted. Schedules were not working out the way I wanted. What happens then? If it was just a matter of having a really good food plan, you know, that would be the end of it. But what happens to me? I get restless, irritable, discontent. I start getting really fearful, resentful. And what am I supposed to do with that? So it's going to start explaining to me, you know, what happens in my mind. And when I'm in that state of mind, no matter how abstinent the food is, um, I will easily pick up for ease and comfort. So the only solution is what it's going to describe later is, you know, working through the steps to get um, the obstacles and blocks, which is usually my selfishness, my fear, whatever, and then access power that helps me deal with life on God's terms, not my terms, um, because people and places and things are never going to work out exactly how I want them to. That's just not the way it goes. Um, and with, with that, I pass. Thank you, Reba. Okay, Michael, you're up, followed by Faye in Florida. Good morning, Vision. May I be heard? Yes. Hi, this is Michael H. Um, from uh, Illinois, recovered compulsive overeater. I just want to chime in this morning real quick about these paragraphs and, and what I'm seeing here. There's a lot of a lot of questions. Why this and why did I do this and why did I do that? And it reminds me of uh, something a, a friend of mine, a, a fellow in the program, used to say all the time to me was uh, the whys, the you know, they would be nice to be able to answer all the, the whys in my life. Why have I done this? Why do I do that? And though they would be nice to know the answers to the whys, the reality is for me that they have little effect on on my recovery and and uh, so it even says perhaps there will never be a full answer to these questions and and later says we cannot answer this riddle or the riddle so going down to um, something happens um, something happens both bodily and mentally in the mental sense which makes it virtually impossible for him to stop I, I am a, a, a real compulsive overeater of, of the hopeless variety, and uh, I when I ingest what I call my crack cocaine foods, my crack, uh, I, I can't stop. It's as virtually impossible to stop, but for me, it, it generally is impossible to stop. Um, it also reminds me of the same friend who used to say, one is too many, a thousand is not enough, and I'm thinking as I'm sitting in the parking lot going, getting ready to go to work, um, oftentimes in the break room or our lunch room at work, there's not every day, but a lot of days, there's what I call my crack foods are there. And uh, once I take a bite in the morning, that food, that that substance calls to me throughout the day. Um, and oftentimes I eat most everything. And uh, until I've worked this program of of action, um, I struggle with that my entire life. And now, you know, by the grace of God, that obsession has been lifted. Uh, that food does not call to me. My crack cocaine foods do not call to me. 
today, one day at a time. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Michael. Faye, you're up, followed by Barbara E. Good morning. Thanks. This is Faye in Miami. I'm also looking at all these questions and thinking, why? Why did I keep going back to those sweet things and things that I knew weren't going to answer my problems, weren't going to help me in any way? And thank God for today, I've got the one above, I've got my sponsor, I've got the 12 steps, and I'm making it. Thank God. Thank God. It's been a long road this year, I'm proud to say. This uh, August, it'll be 10 years in program, and this is the only sanity, the only peace I get uh, in terms of my overeating and my disease. So very grateful, and uh, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Faye. Barbara E., you're up, followed by Chrissy G. Thank you. This is Barbara E. in New Jersey, everyone. May I be heard? Yes. Oh, great. My daughter has a life-threatening allergy to lobster. She will go into anaphylactic shock if she ingests it. She can't say, just this once, I'll have it, and maybe there'll be no consequences. We went to Maine, she and I, on a mother-daughter trip filled with lobster. She couldn't say, just for the vacation, I'll try maybe there won't be any consequences, or maybe they won't be that bad. She didn't do that. I am the same way with food. I can't say, maybe just this once, I'll try my red light foods, because maybe there won't be consequences. Because the truth of the matter is, when I first came in, I wanted to continue my eating behaviors. I just didn't want there to be consequences for them. Well, that never, ever happened. I had to learn very early on that once I pick up the the foods and the behaviors that lead me to the foods, I could not stop. I would buy a bag. I would buy a gallon. I would buy a huge amount. And I loved eating it. I just didn't like going all the way up 12 sizes over and over again. But I kept doing it. I was one of those drunks gathered up on the water wagon being taken to be dried out uh, only to fall off the wagon again and commence eating. So today, in 2017, I'm very blessed. I can have all those red light foods in the house. They are artwork to me. That's all they are. They don't call to me. I have no desire to pick up my allergic foods and see if there won't be consequences again. I have to work my abstinence, work at the program, listen at meetings, but as someone said earlier, not just hang around the gas station, actually get the fuel that I need. Thank you and I pass. Thank you so much. Okay, I'm Chrissy G, followed by Shannon S. Hi, good morning. I'm Chrissy G, recovered compulsive overeater and anorexic. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, The mental illness, um, it's vivid in 
in the description and these pages and I I can I can see it in myself. I couldn't always and that was part of that was the the problem. I couldn't see that I had a problem. And even if I could, I couldn't hold on to it. I could never hold on to it for long. I could hold on to it while I was in excruciating pain from relapse, but the minute I started to feel better, I couldn't I couldn't hold on to the truth of the mental illness and and the self-deception that goes along with with this mental illness. So powerful. And, and that's why I can't do it on my own because it's more powerful than I am. You know, the 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 mental obsession, the the mental illness is in my head. So if I can't trust my own thoughts, who do I trust? So it's 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 ne- it's necessary to to believe other people and to keep the repetition of this program going. That's the only thing that combats the the obsessive thoughts that I can do this this time. You know, differentiating the truth from the false is impossible without being restored to sanity by a higher power, which some days is a fellow in the program, some days is a reading in a recovery book, you know, just being restored to right thinking. And it's it's not until my thinking gets back on track that I could look back and say, Woof, that was a closed one. And it might it might be um just a behavior that isn't eating, but another destructive behavior that seems like such good such a good idea when I'm in my insanity. And then when I get through it and it kind of breaks like a fever and I'm like back in my right thinking, um I I can see it from that that perspective. So a lot of it is about pausing and praying and not acting impulsively. Even if it seems like the best idea I've ever had, I don't do it without checking with people because I know I have a mental illness. And that especially comes um, down to what I eat and what I don't eat. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Christy. Christy. Um, Shannon Ashira. Good morning. This is Shannon Aslick. Sam recovered in New York. Can I be heard? Yes. Good morning, everybody. Thank you all for your service. I want to focus on the paragraph that says perhaps there were there never will be a full answer to these questions. Opinions vary considerably as to why the alcoholic re- reacts differently from normal people. We are not sure why. Once a certain point is reached, little can be done for him. We cannot answer the riddle. Um, before coming into program and for a while inside of program, I kept focusing on the why. Why am I like this? Why do I eat like this? Why can I not put the bag down, the box down? Why do I keep returning? Um, I I was so focused on the why, and I realized that I was asking the wrong question. I was trying to get the answer to the why to figure out my problem to then figure out the solution. And just as it says here in this book, that that riddle may never be answered. So the why just keeps me in a powerless victim place when I start asking the question, what? What can I do about it? And the first 
app talks about abstinence, getting entirely abstinent. That is how I cannot trigger the allergy and then the obsession doesn't get triggered. That is what I can do. And then from there, I can move on with the steps. We just heard on Sunday about there is a solution. So what is the solution? That's what this program has taught me is to not stay in that helpless a victim, martyr role, but to look at what I can do. And had I not started asking what, had this program not challenged me to start asking what can I do about it, I would still be knee-deep, head-deep in the food, and I wouldn't be able to be here recovered today by the grace of God. So thank you, everybody, for being here and carrying this message. To pass. Thank you. Shannon S., you're up. Uh, that just was Shannon S. like Sam. I'm I'm no. sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, thank you, Shannon. Sorry. Um, okay, who else would like to share? We have time for about three more shares. Okay, I'll go ahead. I'm Katie F. A recovered compulsive over. Valerie B. And Valerie B. Danielle O. I'm sorry, what was that? Rosie. And Danielle O. Oh, Danielle O. Okay. Okay, so we have Valerie B., Maura Z., and Danielle O. Go ahead, Valerie. Good morning, this is Valerie B. from Maryland. Thank you for your service. Um, I would just like to share about, I have had the worst month, uh, you know, I've had, I've been tried on, in so many areas, and yesterday was a grand finale, I had so many things go wrong, and um, as, I'm, as I locked my keys in the trunk of my car, um, I had to call, you know, I had to call roadside service. And the only place I could sit and wait was a French bakery. So there I sat, <laughs> and I got a glass of water. I mean, I had a, a, you know, I bought a bottle of water, and I'm sitting there and, uh, you know, doing what I, you know, I was, you know, how you text people, you call people, you do this, that, and the other thing on your phone. And all of a sudden, I looked around, and I, I was looking at, I was looking at, you know, this, you know, there was all kinds of, you know, stuff there, you know, the things that they bake. And I, I thought to myself, this is a miracle. I mean, this is a miracle. I was frustrated beyond all. And, you know, here was all this, you know, all this stuff, you know. And, and I just, I looked at it and, um, and I thought, it's, it's not, yeah, I, I, didn't want, I didn't want it, um, which, was the, which to me was the biggest miracle. And, um, and it, I know it's. I know it wasn't me. I know it wasn't because I have willpower, or I'm strong, or, or even that I've worked the program so perfectly. But what I know, I mean, I, I was really struck by, uh, you know, what what somebody said earlier about the fuel, and you know, to me, that fuel is the presence of God, you know, and uh, and I think it it it's that grace. And, uh, and, and that, that love that, 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 it's that love, you know, that, that I get from, 
you know, from the people in the program, you know, my sponsor, the person I'm sponsoring, um, and the time with my higher power, uh, changing my life. And, I, and for me, that's, that's the fuel that does it. And the steps are the stepping stones that lead me into that power and, and, and keep, you know, and keep that gateway open so that, you know, that electricity can run into my life. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you so much, Valerie. Okay, Maura Z, um, you will be our last share. I apologize. I, I, I don't know what happened there. Um, and Danielle O, if you wouldn't mind uh, waiting for the second hour. Okay, go ahead, Maura Z. Press star one to unmute. Hi, Katie. Thank you. Actually, I heard Danielle announce her name before I did, so I'd like to defer and let her share. I'll pass. Okay, thank you. Go ahead, Danielle. Hi, everyone. This is Danielle from Pulsive Overeater. Thank you so much for that nice surprise. I am surprised every day that I wake up and I realize that I have a, a reprieve and all I have to do is take the direction that has been shown to me. I'm not very good at taking direction. When I first got here, I was pretty, a lot of self-will and I, I had to become willing and a lot of that came with recognizing just how many times I got myself into trouble with food. Over and over and over, I found myself in the pit of hell, really, and I didn't like living there anymore. And when I saw that there was a solution, there was a way out, and there was a network of people that could help me, I, I became more and more willing. But I know I had to go through all those tough times in order to get to where I, I and God intended me to be, which is a lot of where I am today. I watch other people who struggle, and it reminds me just how much I did, or I have. And it's hard sometimes to do that, is to watch other people suffer. And other people probably did the same with me. But, but when I look at how much I did suffer, it wasn't just the physical part that was getting my attention. It was a lot of the spiritual part. And that was that I always choose, chose food over my higher power. Not understanding that I was powerless over food. And I did that daily for a long time. And along with that came a lot of the, the self uh, negative self-talk and those hates that were going on all the time and it seemed like every time I, came, I got that one little bit over full the thinking started going negative and I was no good I couldn't do it I couldn't handle it. I can't control this and it was just it just was really it went fast and I and I spiraled down fast so I'm glad that today I have a solution and these, these people and the people that I surround myself with are the ones that have, a, have the answers. And it's because we share from our heart. And that's what I love about this meeting is because we share many different details of our lives among people we've never met. And that gives me an outlet. That gives me a place to be. And I get to share that with others and feel a part of. I, I'm so grateful that... Um, that God saw fit that I be one of his messengers and that I get to be a message of hope. 
because OA and this program has given me such hope, all because I was willing to admit complete defeat a day at a time. So thank you, everyone, for being a part of my recovery, and that's all I have. Thank you. Thank you, Danielle. Okay, and thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, April 4th, is 9794. That's 9794. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Martha Z please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, my friends in recovery. This is Martha C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from near Philadelphia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.